Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. Welcome to the Memory Card Sports Zone. Ooh. That's a sports with a Z, by the way. Just, I don't want to get sued by anybody like ESPN or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because people have copyrights to sports. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of a sportier episode. It might be the sportiest uh, episode we had since uh, the last one. Mm hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, Push, since you live in Japan, you are, yep. you are there. You are on the scene. You're a reporter on the scene. Yeah, I'm in Kyoto. Yes, exactly. And that's not where the Olympics was supposed to be last year or where it might be this coming summer. But I want to yeah. know, <laughs> do you think they're going to actually have the Olympics in Japan? Uh, not, not do you think they should. Do you think it will happen? So um, I was talking to a friend about this, actually, uh, very recently. And the issue with the olympics is that you know they do it um every four years but then they they have the winter and the summer olympics mm -hmm. so every two years is supposed to be a one version of the olympics and if they push it back one more year then that either means that they're gonna have the winter and the summer olympics in the same year or they're gonna have to push back the winter olympics oh gosh that's true i didn't think of that it's it's a lot of money <laughs> at stake because people won't be able to uh double dip into the winter and summer olympics so i think that either one of them will get canceled or you know they'll kind of move things up but i think that's kind of more like uh, unlikely because um they're gonna want to keep things on track uh moving forward so it's, it's a very difficult situation because japan invested a lot of money into the olympics and uh the current ongoing global situation there's no way they can make a return on that Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be a loss. I just... Yes. When I was in Japan last, I mean, I think I was actually with you when we uh, were walking around in Kyoto and I saw some Olympic hats, you know, 2020 Olympics, yeah. which was going to be the next year. And uh, now I, I have one that I wear all the time and it's going to be funny. Like maybe, <laughs> Just to rub it in. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like maybe it'll be worth, you know, some money someday. <laughs> you know, this merch mm -hmm. from this Olympics that never happened. It's it's so bizarre. You know, if someone's like, oh, what's that from? Like, though, the 2020 Olympics. Yeah. You know, the ones that uh, never actually happened. Yeah. But uh, you'll have to keep us updated. Uh, you're reporting on the ground now. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter for the latest Olympic news. <laughs> uh, straight from the source. That was Push Dustin on the ground in Kyoto. All right, back into the sports zone we go with a more personal question for you, Push, and that is, uh, you know, and I can't remember if we've talked about this in the past. I feel like I say that a lot now in episodes. Mm -hmm. um, did you do any sports as a kid? What was your favorite sport? Uh, as a kid, I did uh, t-ball for like a year. <laughs> and um, they just, you know, kicked me off the team because um, I just couldn't hit the ball. Right. I feel like we have talked about this. I... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I wonder if it was from the uh, Punch-Out episode a while back. It, it might have been. Yeah. Uh, I did soccer for a while, like maybe four or five years, and um, I actually really enjoyed soccer. But I also got into karate. Um, karate <laughs> got to a point where I had to choose either soccer or, or karate, and I chose karate. In the middle of soccer games, did you keep like you know sweeping people's legs out from under them and and 
chopping them in the throat. Oh, yeah. I would just do, you know, karate chops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ball would come at me. I would just slice it in half. <laughs> They're like, oh, and the uh, ref blows his whistle. <laughs> oh, this oh. It's a tie again. <laughs> okay. And you just like sat like a sad, like Charlie Brown, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, growing up, I, I did a lot of sports. I was really big into basketball. Um, I did baseball up through sixth grade, I want to say, until I was about 11 or 12. And then in middle school, I tried out for the track team. And I was like, whoa, like, this is my sport. Like, I'm, I'm tall. I'm good at running. I'm good at jumping. And uh, that was kind of it. Like, mm-hmm. since sixth grade, since I was 12, I have, there's been a track season for me, like every year, like I ran it all the way through college. And then uh, immediately out of college, I was hired on as a teacher and a coach. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's actually how I met my wife was on the track team in college. So yeah, she tried running away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I I caught up to her and convinced her that we should go on a date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But growing up, um, you know, as much as I loved basketball and track and stuff like that when it came to video games i was always really into the more like extreme stuff i loved uh tony hawk especially mm-hmm. and then um the ssx series was a big one that i really loved because it was like so over the top yep if it came to like normal sports games i was like i don't even want to play it if the ball's not like catching fire or mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can't if you can't dunk <laughs> if you can't dunk from half court like what's the point if you're not like playing hockey against um the uh, vikings or something like that and what's yeah yeah like actual yeah. literal vikings well, actual yeah. vikings yeah yeah and i really like that stuff you know i mean like mario strikers and you know mario golf that kind of stuff i mean that really i guess resonated with me because it just put that nice little like spin on it mm-hmm. on what might be an otherwise kind of boring game today uh i am actually going to be talking about the gosh i don't even know what to call it like a spin-off studio ea sports big it's in the game. Yeah, yeah. You have to say the big, like, super deep, because that's how they always did it. And that was, I mean, that's... Yeah, because it has to be big. Yeah, that's half the fun, was booting up the game and hearing them be like, EA Sports, big. <laughs> Do it, Push. Come on, let me hear your, your deepest one. Okay, okay. Um, okay. Okay. All right, let me try it. Okay. Channel your inner Bowser <sighs> here. Just let me... EA Sports, big. <laughs> uh, yeah you messed it up you went you went the wrong wrong way with your inflection there that's all right yeah that's all right yeah i'm sorry don't have it in me i'm sorry coach yep you're benched quit karate chopping everything <laughs> i let the team down <laughs> so before i get into the history of uh ea sports big i thought it would be fun to kind of just look back on ea in general electronic arts and EA was founded by Trip Hawkins, who has a fantastic name. Yeah. Sounds like he should have a skateboarding game. Yeah. Trip Hawkins, pro skater. He was a former employee of Apple. He actually worked there uh, in 1978 mm. and kind of joined in the early days. You know, I think there was only about 50 people at the company when he first got there. Mm-hmm. But he uh, eventually broke away, started his own company to publish video games because he felt like they were going to be like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And so in 1982, he officially like incorporated this new company and he named it Amazing Software. <laughs> gotta aim high. You gotta aim high. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. 
So um, obviously that didn't stick around uh, too long. I guess a lot of people who worked at the company at the time, like it was like universally disliked by everybody. Oh. And uh, eventually they were like, okay, we got to change our name. And they were like, we should change it to soft art, like software art. Hmm. But I guess there was already a place called Software Arts with an S. And uh, they thought it would be too confusing. So they put the kibosh on that. And eventually they settled on Electronic Arts. Yep. And they considered the people who worked there to be electronic artists. And that's uh, kind of where that name came from. And I know that EA kind of has this bad rep nowadays with like yep. my microtransactions and like locking games behind paywalls and stuff. But um, back in the day when they first started, they were actually like the ones who were known for giving the most credit to developers. Mm hmm. They kind of like treated them like rock stars. Like they literally would put pictures of them on the back of boxes. They made this new uh, packaging that was uh, called the album cover video game box. And it, it kind of like showcased like, whoa, you're a rock star. You made a video game. <laughs> I don't know if you remember my episode on the history of Rare. They like completely left credits out of games. They were just like, we are one unit and <laughs> no one gets credit for anything. Mm -hmm. This is a rare game. not. Bobby Rockstar. You didn't make this, Dave. Get out of here. <laughs> but EA was different. They were like, hey, Dave, good job on the game. We're going to put you on the cover. Yeah. And Dave's like, oh, me? Yeah. They kind of treated their developer like they, their developers, like they were artists, I would say. And um, in 1987, uh, EA released Skate or Die, which was their first internally developed game. Skate or Die, obviously, skateboarding game, and I guess Trip Hawkins had this obsession with simulating sports games, and so he decided to sign a contract with this football coach who you may have heard of, whose name is John Madden. <gasps> I almost said John Cena. <laughs> John Cena! The football coach. That's right. Everyone knows him. And uh, this kind of led to this whole you know, relationship with professional sports. They developed the NFL games. They developed the FIFA games and the NHL games. I think they actually did NBA there for a long time. They might still do it. I just haven't kept up. But uh, FIFA is definitely their like biggest seller because, you know, mm -hmm. despite what Americans might think, soccer is the most popular <laughs> sport in the world. That's kind of how we got from EA to EA Sports. And then... Side note, I really like to call uh, soccer American soccer, just to like really confuse people. <laughs> Instead of American football? Yeah. You know, there's American football and then there's American soccer. I just like to throw American in front of all the sports, just to really... Yeah. yeah. American basketball, American chess. American sumo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that sounds like a good reality TV show. It's like American Ninja Warrior, but uh, yeah. with larger contestants. You would, you would hope. <laughs> a lot of people seem to think that EA created the big label, the EA Sports big label, so they could start making kind of like over-the-top arcade-esque sports titles. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of the other way around. Basically what happened was they made the game SSX, which is Snowboard Supercross. And then at the end, they were like, whoa, this is kind of like a revolutionary new title. It needs its own studio. So we're just going <laughs> to like, mm -hmm. this is it. Hey. Let's call it EA Sports Big. SSX, that first game, has quite the history. There's this really great piece on it called The Rise and Fall of EA Sports Big, as told by the creator of SSX. Mm -hmm. That's uh, you can find on usgamer.net. And uh, that's where I got a lot of this mm -hmm. information because there really is not a lot of in-depth stuff. But 
this whole article is about this guy named Stephen. I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Wrecked Schaffner. Wrecked Schaffner. Get wrecked. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, uh, Wrecked Schaffner, was a freestyle skier in the early years of the World Cup, the Freestyle Skiing World Cup. And uh, he was kind of like hoping to uh, pave a road for the freestyle skiing to become an Olympic event, because at that point it wasn't in the early 80s. He kind of like had this whole ski career, and then he transitioned into being a ski coach, and it, you know, didn't really go anywhere. And freestyle skiing was eventually put into the Olympics, but it was like long after he had like moved on. And um, he got a job in New York City at Swatch, which is, you know, the watch company. Mm-hmm very famously and they were kind of doing like a whole rebrand at the time they wanted to be like young and cool and hip Mm -hmm. and so he started working with like hip-hop artists and action sports people it's kind of like they were the original like red bull okay like let's go find you know extreme people and we're gonna sign them to our label they're gonna wear like the coolest watches and be in our commercials and stuff like that so he started like directing commercials for swatch and doing all this advertising And he got into film and television production. And then he moved to Los Angeles, where he started working on like all sorts of different um, advertising campaigns, most notably for Sega in the early marketing stages of the Genesis, which we all know was very like, you know, edgy in your face kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So he basically saw that and was like, whoa, the video game industry is taking off. This is where I want to be. And when his wife got a job, a new job in Canada, he found that Electronic Arts Canada, who was in the same city, was also hiring. And so he kind of came in and pitched like, hey, I can produce your games. I can give you this extreme edge, you know, (laughs) that you guys are missing. (laughs) Extreme. That's right. None of your games are extreme enough. And I'm here to change that. So it's important to note, too, that while he was in Los Angeles doing this advertising stuff, he was helping produce segments of a TV show, which is called Greg Stump's World of Extremes for Fox. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Greg Stump doesn't sound like a very exciting name, but... I guess he was stumped on the uh, title. Yeah, they, they just kind of threw it together. That's why our podcast is called Ben and Push's Awesome History Gaming Stories. <laughs> Extravaganza. Extravaganza, yes. Gotta throw that at the end. That might yeah. be the name of the uh, the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While he was working on this TV show, they were basically like trying to come up with all these like cool extreme sports, you know, extravaganzas. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was border cross, you know, like this extreme snowboarding supercross event. So he came up with that idea. They did it on TV. Like it went like kind of well, you know, like. Nobody died or anything. It was entertaining. That's good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But, you know, that comes back to play later when SSX is made. Fast forward back to uh, he he gets this job at EA Mm -hmm. and he starts working for some of the sports titles. I think he worked on Triple Play Baseball, which was the series at the time. And that went over so well that they were like, okay. You did so good on this game, we're going to let you do like a passion project. Like, what do you want to do? I guess that was like a thing back in the day at EA was that like, if you helped Mm -hmm. create a game that was a hit and you were in a higher up position, you basically, they called it like getting a silver bullet. I want to do this crazy game. And they're like, yeah, go do it. You earned it. Yeah. (laughs) His whole approach was that he was like, okay, I get to do my own thing. 
And so he wanted to build a snowboarding game that had an arcade feel. His actual quote here is, my approach to the whole thing was trying to build it at an arcade or Nintendo level quality and really making it about fun and not being about simulation. Mm-hmm. Well, they had realistic football and soccer and things like that. He was like, why don't we make it more outrageous? Why don't we make it something you couldn't do in real life? They started on this snowboarding game and it actually started life mm-hmm. as a Dreamcast game. It was going to it was going to come out for the Dreamcast, but then EA and Sega, as you might have remembered me talking about in the first episode about launch games, weren't really getting along mm-hmm. as far as, you know, exclusives and third-party support. So they pulled out from the Dreamcast yeah. and were like, "All right, we're going to go over to the PlayStation 2 and we're going to launch this." And I guess when they showed the executives at sony they were like blown away like whoa like this game looks crazy like it's super fast paced and the graphics look great and everything's like you know so extreme i guess there was a lot of people at ea before the game came out that were kind of you know negative about it they were naysaying it telling him that like it wasn't gonna work and no one wanted to play that kind of game anymore you know like that's for japanese arcades nobody wants to do that yeah no one's gonna want to have fun yeah no one wants to have fun. They just want to play soccer ball all day. Yeah, they want, they want it to be real. Right. It was kind of Rex Schaffner's idea to make it into a whole new label for the company. You know, like, oh, well, let's make this its own thing. So that's how EA Big came to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, when SSX launched for the PS2, it was like one of, if not the highest rated games um, You know, at launch. I think it had a Metacritic rating of 93 and was, uh, I think it ended up being like in the top 20 best reviewed PlayStation 2 games of all time. So pretty good. Mm-hmm. For those of you who've never played SSX, it's like, you know, you're snowboarding, you're doing these crazy tricks, building up points. And the more points you get, you can get like a boost to go faster. You can like punch people while you're going down the hill, uh, much like push and karate, karate soccer. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really, really fun system, a lot of replay value. And that was the start of EA Big. And this guy who, you know, came in, had this weird like background in advertising and skiing, Rex Schaffner, they were like, okay, like you're in charge of this now. You're going to be like the godfather of EA Big. Do whatever you want. (laughs) Go big or go home. That sound means that we're putting this episode on pause for just a moment so we can briefly explain how you can support Memory Card. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by leaving positive reviews on your podcasting service of choice. Four or five stars and a few kind words go a long way when it comes to convincing others to give the show a listen, so please do so if you find the time. Spreading the word of Memory Card is very helpful. If you know anyone who's into gaming or history, or both, then maybe you should consider sharing Memory Card with them or anyone that you find anywhere. Every season, we strive to reach a wider and wider audience, and you can help. If you're feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shoutouts, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. And if you think about it, if you become a patron, you'll never have to hear this ad again. (laughs) How sad. (laughs) 
thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's get back to the show. There's quite a few more, obviously, like EA big games out there. There's one that they worked on uh, that was supposed to be like the next big thing after SSX that was called Cranked. Do you want to guess what kind of sports game that was? Uh, was it uh, cycling? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like a mountain biking game. Okay. It was going to be kind of like an open world kind of concept where you were just like biking around and, you know, going mm-hmm. off cliffs and stuff like that. But I guess they just like couldn't get the foundation down for the game. Like it just didn't quite work and they decided to scrap it and not move forward. So it'd be interesting to see what that game actually, you know, looked like. Like that era designing an open world is very difficult, I think, because it's still like PlayStation 2 days, right? Right. Yeah. I thought, um, Dave Mira BMX did a really good job on the Tony Hawk formula with uh, BMX. And that was like one of my favorite sports games, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that game, too. I was never super good at it. I was way better at Tony Hawk. But mm-hmm. uh, my older brother was way into uh, skateboarding and biking in real life. And so I was I, I got way into those games. Instead of doing it in real life, you, you're like, I'm doing video games. I watch him walk in with like scraped up knees and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> fool. You just have scraped up fingers. That's right. Oh, gosh, it hurts so bad from grinding, doing kickflips. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the next game, the actual uh, next game was SSX Tricky, which is probably at least top 10 all time for me video games. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a refined version of SSX. There was a lot of the same uh, characters. There was a lot of the same venues where you would go snowboarding, but they added in new mm-hmm. tricks and moves. And most importantly, they added in something called Uber Moves, which, I mean, have you played the game? Yes, uh, it was one of my favorite PlayStation 2 games. So an Uber Move is basically like the most outrageous, like people break dancing on their boards. Uh, there's one where a guy does like yeah. the worm. There's one where a guy spins around his neck, you know, like it's called like the guillotine or something. I mean, it's so much fun. It's Yeah. When you pull off one of those and you land it, you just feel like, you know. I think the, the best thing about SSX uh, Tricky is... um that the, the game has a lot of style and it's like in your face and it's fun yeah it, it doesn't feel like too much or it doesn't feel overbearing it has a really good balance actually yeah and like surprisingly to this day even the controls really hold up like it's very tight mm-hmm. and yeah man everything about that game just like spoke to me <laughs> as you know a teenager and so um, i love that one and that's actually a game that I had been looking forward to for a long time. I didn't get it at launch, but my uh, my grandma, who recently passed away, she got that game for me. So it holds a very special like place in my heart as far as, you know, gaming and everything else. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, SSX Tricky comes out. It's a hit. Um, it's for GameCube, PlayStation 2 and Xbox kind of, you know, covering the spread there. And then you have SSX 3, SSX on tour ssx blur for the wii which i mean i got all Mm -hmm. of these games blur was not the best you had to like draw shapes in the air with the motion controls so i'm like drawing hearts and stars and things and it it worked pretty well but it definitely wasn't quite as uh intuitive as they would have hoped (laughs) Mm -hmm. should have held out for the motion plus i guess oh yeah i did play that one actually oh yeah did you yeah i actually bought it because i was like i'm a huge fan of ssx tricky and then i was like yeah not that good it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the second most popular series, and, and I've just kind of gone through the SSX games here. We're, we're stepping back in time. Yeah. The second most popular series was uh, NBA Street, 
mm. which was a big one. Um, and this is, I mean, it's possibly the most popular. Uh, SSX was big, but I mean, you talk about they took this professional, uh, you know, association and like put this awesome like street spin on it. And man, it, that game was like amazing. It was hot, hot fire. So the original came to PlayStation 2 and was later ported to the GameCube. And then the second one, NBA Street Volume 2, was like a real, like, I think it's the best one of the three that came out. Um, I spent like hours and hours not only playing that game, but like actually practicing the moves in real life. Like I'm, you know, not to brag, I'm pretty good at like street ball moves. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even to this day, like I'll go out to recess with, you know, my class and uh, do a couple, you know, dribble with my knees, dribble with my feet, you know, do some rolling around on the ground. And everyone's very impressed mm -hmm. that I haven't broken my hip or anything. So I thought it would be fun to do a uh, real or fake with street ball moves from the game NBA Street Volume 2. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll do terribleness. Perfect, perfect. Well, I'll tell you right now, none of them sound like their basketball moves, so you're, you're going to be shooting in the dark here a little bit. Oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the first one is called the whoopee cushion. Do you think that is a real or fake street ball move? Probably real. Nope, that one's fake. Huh. I made that one up. Yeah. I thought maybe, you know, you like bump it off your butt or something, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I thought it would be like something like that. Or, um, oh. you know, like uh, <laughs> a lot of trick names in general, they, they kind of um, have these weird... Um, like playful. Playful sense of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Next one. Side order of cheese. I, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, yes. Yes, that is a real one. Yeah, good call. All right. You're one and one here. Through the basement. Yes. Yeah, that's a real one. I can do that one too. You kind of like throw the ball like up and under one of your legs and you do a 360 spin and mm -hmm. you catch it and take it back through the other way. It's a fun one. It's kind of ridiculous that through the basement is real, but whoopee cushion is not. <laughs> yeah, we got to make that one. We got to make that one a real one. All right. High top fade. Fake. Yeah, that one's fake. Yeah, I try. I think I tried to make that one too cool. Yeah. The ball zerker. <laughs> um, fake. Yeah, that one's fake too. Darn it, man! I thought I'd be getting you with these. Rope a dope. That's true. Yeah, that one's a real one. It's kind of like you like swing your arms up and around and and do like a three point. Deodorant stick. That one is fake. That one's real. <laughs> okay. I couldn't tell you what it is. I, I got it from like some wiki page or something, but that is a real street ball move, apparently. All right, two more. Mm -hmm. Zoom double boom. True. No, that one's fake. Ah, I made that one okay. up. <laughs> All right, last one. Bacon biscuits. <laughs> yes, I want that to be true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is a real one. Yeah, that, one's, that's, that one sounds good. Too good to be fake. Yeah. So NBA Street Volume 2 comes out. It's a big hit. Um, they released NBA Street Volume 3, mm -hmm. you know, a year or so later. And it's another step up in terms of like, graphics and gameplay. And on the GameCube version, a certain plumber pair and a magical princess uh, showed up. Mm -hmm. The GameCube version contains Mario, Luigi, and Princess Peach as playable characters. They can, like, dunk on fools. Yep. My, I think possibly my favorite Nintendo Power poster of all time is mario like dunking on this guy like jumping way high above him <laughs> i mean it's just ridiculous and they actually 
also put those three characters into SSX on tour. So you got Mario, you know, on the court, you got Mario shredding it up in the snow. And uh, this was just kind of like a whole big push for Nintendo at the time to try and like, you know, get more third party support and like, it's fun and it's silly, but the proportions Mm -hmm. of like Mario and a normal human being. (laughs) Yeah, it's just weird. Don't quite work out. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like Mario in the city and Odyssey makes sense because they like you know he's like smaller and Mm -hmm. but in this case he's like the same height as you know michael jordan (laughs) or whatever and it's like what is happening some of the moves they're like clipping through their legs and stuff the ball is (laughs) yeah not moving as elegantly as uh as it might have been i'm sure they had to make them the same size just for animation purposes oh yeah definitely like because otherwise they would have to redo everything just for those three characters Mm -hmm. so i'm sure it's just like a timing issue but yeah, it is pretty funny. It is. And they're like, you know, mean mugging and Luigi's like running through the air and slamming it in Shaq's face. It's yeah, it's very <laughs> it's surreal. So after the success of NBA Street, uh, the series, they come out with FIFA Street and NFL Street. And both of those like just didn't do as hot. They just yeah. didn't quite find the same footing, you know, doing tricks in soccer. Sure. That makes sense. Doing tricks in football. I guess yeah. like I that doesn't seem like something that would work says me the guy who owns NFL Street 1 and 2. <laughs> I don't know if I've played either of them. So yeah, they kind of fizzled out and mm-hmm. at that same time EA laid off 11% of their workforce. They shut down a bunch of facilities and they definitely like went away from that silver bullet mm-hmm. like risk taking kind of mentality. They were like, well, "Let's just stick with what works and Yeah, let's make sure we have jobs." Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, makes sense, but it's it's kind of too bad that they don't really want to take the risks that they did. Yeah. So EA Big was eventually shut down and it was kind of replaced by this uh, other studio that was called EA Sports Freestyle. And that was in 2008. Mm. But only three games were ever released under that title and they just kind of gave up on it after that. So the SSX series did get a reboot in 2012 for the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Sold pretty well, and uh, I think people dug it. I, I definitely picked it up. I think I spent a couple weeks with it before I just kind of fell off. And, you know, it, it was it was trying to make, like, more mm-hmm. of a realistic, like, we're going to drop you on a real-world mountain. It still had some goofy stuff, and I think they included the, yeah. you know, uh, Run DMC song, It's Tricky, from the previous game. That was such a big hit. Yeah. But uh, ever since then, no SSX. Uh, there hasn't been a new NBA Street game in a long time. Even when they interviewed this godfather of EA Sports Big, Rex Schaffner, he said that he just doesn't feel like any of the games today mm-hmm. um, really like capture that kind of like extreme arcade sports feel, except Rocket League. Oh, yeah. He feels like Rocket League is like the outlier. Like, whoa, like they did it. They found that EA Sports Big like you know vibe that mentality and they kind of put it in there i think rocket league uh yeah d- definitely fits in that mold it, it's extreme sports and it's over the top and it's fun mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's not trying to be real sports it's trying to be fun sports right exactly and they like do it better than real sports yeah. you know what i mean once yeah. again like i don't want to play normal soccer i want to be a car that explodes when it you know <laughs> scores a goal <laughs> uh you know maybe ea will make some uh make some changes and bring back ssx or some of the street titles or you know even like a remaster i think people have been begging for a a ssx tricky remaster for a long time yeah but until then i guess i'll uh i'll just keep having to play 
uh, tricky on my GameCube and, and, and bust out my favorite moves. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his bangin' beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBentendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early ad-free episodes and bonus episodes. This list of awesome people includes Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Jose Acosta, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Ray Schneider, Shala, and Nick Callis. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon. It's tricky. It's tricky to rock around. It's tricky. It's tricky. The games industry is tricky. <laughs> the games industry is tricky. The new remix.